Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. All right, Ms. Mm-hmm. Carroll, you there with us? Sure. Oops. All right, okay. Ms. Carroll, could you hear us? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll repeat what I just said. <laughs> I didn't yes, realize it was muted yet. Okay. Um, when we read the mission statement, one of the things that um, that always stands out in my mind that people don't really know enough about is the actual word neglect. Yes, we have physical, mental, emotional is a hard one too, but we also have neglect. Okay. And um, so I found information actually that came right off of our website, um, and it's it's right current because unfortunately, um, trauma um, and abuse it never has a date on it. Okay, it doesn't matter if it's two years old, twenty years old, or one year old. Now this is only a few years old, but I want to focus in on neglect. And this isn't the uh, largest part, but we will start here because if you see a kid who begs and steals food. And it's not for drugs, okay? It's because uh, the money part, okay, is not for drugs. A lot of times it is for food. Well, why is that? And they, they can actually steal from their classmates, too, in school. I did it. A lot of people do it when they, when they neglect it at home. And then you have lacks uh, uh, medical attention and dental care. They lack age-appropriate adult supervision, Mommy and Daddy goes out and they party and you know, whatever they do, and the kids are left home alone. That was on the TV just two days ago. Lacks clothing appropriate for the weather. Um, reports family violence in the home if they're able to. If they feel, if they think their life is threatened, sometimes they'll come forth and they will bring forth that information to someone, and hopefully someone will listen. Reports use of illegal substances or excessive use of alcohol by parents or caregivers. For example, the point the parent passes out. A lot of kids see their parents pass out because of drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Abuses alcohol or other drugs or states there is no one at home to provide for them. Now, this is neglect. This is heavy-duty neglect. The things that I just read there... Um, it's not uncommon, unfortunately. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the city. It doesn't matter because it's happened to me in both the city, uh, in the country, because I lived in Florham Park at one time. Um, Bill probably knows who that is. Um, and, you know, I've, I've lived in di- different areas, different areas. And it didn't matter where we moved to. If neglect is there, it's there. Now, maybe we should talk a little bit about neglect um, again, if you, a kid is borrowing or rather begs or steals food or money from classmates, there's a reason for that. I got caught, okay? I got caught in the um, where, we, where you change clothes, you know, for when you go outside and all this other stuff. I got caught. I got caught. And I had to answer for it, but I didn't squeal on my parents because I was too frightened to do so. And yet, if you're standing back and you're a kid and you see someone, you know, stealing something from the locker room, because that's where it happened. Um, there's a reason for that, and that's under neglect. That kid probably doesn't have proper clothing. They don't have uh, proper food. They probably don't have supervision. Um, there probably is violence at home. Um, alcohol abuse is very, very rampant and things like that. 
um, and then also two or drugs. And, and to me, I had a problem with the professor, doctor, and I'll tell you why. Because anything that alters the brain, and you know this, anything that alters the brain is a drug. So to me, alcohol is a drug, okay? And then also, too, in those homes, they, they, they state that there's no one there to really, you know, take care of them. They go home to an empty house. Yeah. And what, do you, what do you think about that stuff? Well, that's what I want to do. I want to make this a dis- more of a discussion. And so I'm yeah, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing, gonna ask, I'm Well, we don't have that. people's mics open, so we have to do that first of all. And uh, then we have to ask them to make comments. And uh, Yeah. I guess yeah. Dr. Nancy's going to lead the comment or direct the comments, Nancy. Is that what's happening? Yes, but um, I think, yeah, that was a great topic. I wanted to... Um, to just open up, I don't know if anybody had comments. I do have a comment to make about what Ms. Carroll read. That was a mouthful of information because um, a lot of times people right. think that child neglect and child abuse, and, you know, we start putting everything in one category. Right. But what, what Ms. Carroll was able to do right now was she was able to really break down what child neglect looks like, Right. A lot of times we'll just think it's all oh, sexual abuse or is it physical abuse. Um, Mr. Bill, you're not muted. I'm sorry. Let me let me do that now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's one of the things. But I wanted to uh, just bring up a couple of facts that I was looking at myself um, as far as child neglect. Sorry, I had like 20 pages open. Um, but like you were just talking about the children's teeth. You know, a lot of times you see children, their teeth are rotten, um, and people will say, oh, they eat a lot of candy. Or, you know, I, I've noticed children who have the silver plates in their teeth, right? And, you know, that could be from chewing on the, on the uh, bottle, like with sugar in the milk, uh, because growing up I saw a lot of that. But it also can be a sign of neglect. So how does a person know when they should say something? If they see something, should they watch it a little bit more, or should they automatically say something to someone? What was what's your thought about it? And this is well, I would like anyone. to respond to. I would like to respond to um, Carol's um, suggestion for a topic, which. Mm-hmm. Um, really aligns with um, the topic I had on my table for today, um, which was, and I'll throw this off the table because it, it does align with what um, Carl was on, going on about. And um, for me, m- my topic is what exactly constitutes child abuse and what can we do as a society to stop it? And so I, you know, I would like to to share on um, that approach, you know, when, when it's suitable, um, you know, Bill's just let me know when I can share. I don't want to, you know, just launch into it now because Bill probably wants us to, to speak as well. Yeah. Okay, hold on a second. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Bob, mm-hmm. I want to answer. The, we have to have a little bit of a format here. I want to answer... Yeah. I want to answer what Nancy had just asked me, because one of the things, and this can be open to anybody, um, if you suspect a kid is being abused, okay, 
And this was, this was just a topic on neglect, and um, that's the smallest part that I have here. Um, you don't you don't just like uh, not look at it. You don't turn your head. You can report it. And and I even have information where it says uh, we're we're expected to now anyone in any state, okay, can report uh-huh. abuse. Anyone. No, we're not mandated reporters unless we're, you know, teachers or uh, doctors or dentists. Um, the answer to your question with the dental part, what you brought up, is uh, dentists now are supposed to report if a child comes in and their teeth are in terrible, terrible shape, they have a terrible abscess or something like that, and you can tell that he hasn't or she hasn't been brought to the dentist on years or whatever, or maybe not at all, all right, um, that dentist is supposed to make that telephone number. He's supposed to call someone, okay, and that would be social services in that area and report it. So well, that's that's something. It's not mm-hmm. really happening. I mean, they, they are a mandated reporter, just like mm-hmm. anyone in the medical community. But unfortunately, you know, having a rule and following the rule are two different things. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I would love to say people with people with the the the, 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 the uh, metal teeth. <laughs> you know, what I could say about them is maybe they're maybe they're not seeing dentists enough. You know, maybe we don't know. It's all maybes. But uh, I tell you what. If the, if the dentist does, just to finish that thought, if the dentist does uh, suspect child abuse, they are required yes. to identify that with the law enforcement or the child protective services. Somebody, they can't keep they can't keep that information to themselves. In other words, they're mandated. Right, they're, they are mandated now. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I think it's harder too with uh, children with dental care because they're just not being taken to the dentist. That's right. That's right, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I, I had that, you know, as a young child because I was neglected. I had, my teeth were rotting out. I was stealing from the stores, you know, candy bars. Um, so, yeah, I could touch on all. And I am a mandated reporter. Uh, and Carol knows what I always say. If you see it, say it. A lot of people don't want to get involved if they something now me personally if if I see a, a child like I can pick those things out having gone through them and if it's a child in my neighborhood what I'll do is I'll start talking to the parents just in general um, to become friendly with the parents so that I can be around the child a little more and then that child might Tell me something. But, you know, um, too many people just, you know, they suspect things, but they don't really do anything. Well, that's exactly right. I was just going to agree with you on that. In fact, um, okay. one of the things one of the things uh, that people have to do is learn how to speak to a child, okay, if they suspect something. And we have that on the Internet, by the way. You know, how to speak to your child. Um, or, or to a child, rather, not our child, but to a child, if you think they're being um, abused some way. That can be physically, mentally, emotionally, or whatever, neglected. And yeah. A, good way to do, yeah. a good way to do that is through dolls. Like a dollhouse and little dolls. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I've done that uh, working in the daycare when uh, I, I, things had gotten back to me on a specific child. Then mm-hmm. I would take that child and play the dollhouse with them and let them reenact. Good. I don't I like put that. words in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I know, like, the one situation, the child asked his mom for uh, a sip of soda, and she smashed them. And it was seen out, obviously, outside of school. So the next day, got out the dollhouse, and I took the little boy, and I said, Mommy, can I have some soda? And he took that that mommy doll, and he just started wailing on the little boy. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, those little things that work with kids. It does work. I like that. I like that. And um, so it, is a, it is an adult um, activity. Go ahead. Can I speak? I'd like to answer and add to what um, Carl said about neglect. Um, from the angle of, um, you know, what is child abuse, and I agree, Carol, that... Um, Child abuse takes many forms, physical, mental, social, spiritual, um, and neglect. Uh, and for me, one of the biggest wounds that a child can suffer is ab- abandonment, and that is a form of neglect. And in our society, and this has just gotten worse since I was, I was born, was there is an unintentional abandonment by the parents of their children because of the need to work. Now, when I I was a lad, my dad, with his trade, could provide an income to support his family, buy a house, have a car, and take us on holidays. And and kids didn't go to school until they were five, six, or seven, you know. But since that time... um, so, you know, so mum stayed at home. She, you know, I'm not being sort of role gender specific, but but nowadays, um, and it's just getting worse. More and more and more, the state is becoming the parent, and so that's you know, there is no loving bond between the child and the state. When a child is born, it's got this natural bond to its parents. And it's you know it's it used to be their role to to raise their children and impart their values and morals and beliefs and support the child. But now the child is they they've got kindy and pre-kindy and you know um, they've even got top minders because the parents are working two jobs, three jobs, and so for for me one of the ways that we as a Western society, it doesn't happen so much in tribal communities, thank God, but we in Western society have to find a way to take our children back and be there for them. And I think that's, you know, that's... that's The only way we're going to change society is if we all decide to change and stop Mm -hmm. following the... Stop following the common narrative. Because for me, um, whatever type of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual, whatever, 
for me, they all carry the same weight. There's there's no difference about it. And for me, that that loving trust, that inviolate trust between a child and a parent, it only takes one instance of it being broken for the child to be traumatized. And, you know, it's lost its trust in the, in the beings that God put on this planet to, to look after it and care for it and nourish it. And for me, that's, that's, that's the biggest wound, eh? So somehow, one at a time, <laughs> and collectively, we need to change Western society to bring back not ownership, but parentship of the children to the parents and not the state. And how we do that, well, it's, I'm open to suggestions, but until we do that and until we break the multi-generational cycle of abuse, because I believe everybody in Western society that has children has unknowingly, in some way, committed some form of abuse. You know, even if it's just the abandonment to having to go to work. Well, there's one answer to that, work from home, you know. But, okay, um, but that's that's not abandonment, Bob. That's you know that's a change in society that many of us have experienced, and yeah, you know, well, like, it's unfortunate. But a lot of us have to work, you know, so we have to, you know, leave the child with a say daycare person, and they're not with mom and dad; they're with a daycare person. That's not abuse at all. Abuse is no, abandonment is a different thing, you know, uh, and yeah, you know. I, I just want to make that point because I don't want people to think otherwise, you know. I mean, um, well, let, 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 Bob, let me, let me say something here because he's right. In the society, in the type of world in which we live, both parents have to work, okay? I'm sitting here thinking about it always and, and drawing it in. But what happens when the parent comes home, yes, they're tired. They worked hard, both of them. But still and all, they have to find some way uh, and I agree with Bob on this because they're so lacking so many times in this. There has to be a family time. See, years ago there was a family time, not in my lifetime, but other people's lifetimes. People would sit down with the kids. How did you do with school today? They'd eat dinner together at one table, okay? Now, dinner can be made by mom or dad, all right? It doesn't matter. Just so long as that dinner's on the table, you sit down, you show some interest in the kid. It's so many times in homes where kids are abused, no one cares about what happened in school that day, and yet the kids are supposed to go to school. No one asks them questions about, you know, well, how are you feeling about this subject or that subject? Are you doing your homework? Is there something you need help with? Because the parents many times are so tired, and, and all they're thinking about, and rightfully so, is their job and what they have to do the next day. So if we're going to live in a society that you're speaking about, that's like back into the lever to beaver. I always use that time when mommy stayed home and was able to, you know, do all the things that needed to be done in the house. Now the mother has a harder job because after she goes to work all day, um, she has laundry to do, she has cleaning to do, she's got this to do, all the housework is supposed to be done. And so a woman almost has two jobs, Okay. And uh, unless the husband helps her or if the kids are older, they can help too. They can be given jobs that they can do around the house. And then you have, you know, you, you get a little something at the end of the week, a couple of bucks, whatever, And um, because you were doing good. 
there's a, a reward system for that. But things are not the way that it used to be, Bob, you know, in a good home, in a, at what was considered to be a normal home where mother knew her place, mother had her place, and mother was just as important as father, okay? They just had different roles. But because well, my dad, was, yeah, Go ahead. My dad, yeah, my, my dad was, and it killed him in the end, my dad was doing what he was programmed to do, which was bringing home the bacon. So he never spent any time for me. And how I felt like that, I felt that my dad had abandoned me. He had no emotional time for me. Mm-hmm. We only, In all the years that we were together, until he committed himself to a, a mental institution when I was about six, um, we only, I can only, I've only got one memory of him taking me out in a canoe. So for me, I did feel abandoned. His, his, his belief, you know, he was a mythical creature. He got up in the morning and off to work before I, I got up, and he came home after I was in bed. So I did feel, I d- and I still do feel that my dad abandoned me. It is abandonment. And I know it's a sickness of our society, but that feeling was still real, and I had to go back and heal that and forgive my dad because he was only doing what he was been programmed to do. Now, you know, I, I don't have the answers, but um, for me it's a matter of priorities. What's more important to you, the well-being of your children or going to work 10 hours a day as a wage slave instead of following your passion and earn, earning an income from that? Anyway, you know... Yeah. Well, I, I, I think still, that what's I important, I think, I think, I understand your pain, because I had emotional, if you will, I was always neglected, and I, there was never, they didn't even talk to me, all right? So I get it. <laughs> I was like wallpaper. Bill knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> wallpaper on the wall. So, I was wallpaper, honey. I didn't exist, all right? And if I did open my mouth, they didn't listen to me anyway. I get it. So I think yeah. that in a good family, in a good family, which I know nothing about, I tried to be that way with my kids, um, but in a good family, um, if you even have one day a week, all right, where you can do something as a family together, I don't care if it's going out for a picnic or, or if the weather's bad, staying home, playing games with your kids, whatever, uh, watching movies together, then you don't have so much of that feeling that you're calling abandonment and, and I, I call loneliness, okay, whatever topic or, or, or title you give it, that feeling is there, and I get it. I understand where you're coming from. Um, I understand it, too, but, you know, Bob's father, he, he just related to us, had a mental disease. And, and yeah, well, at stage true. six, he went in the hospital. That's, pretty, that's pr- probably what spurred his father's problem, and, you know, my, I mean, well, I could I, I could claim abandonment too in the, in the way that he's describing it. Yeah. My I had but, two parents, uh, both worked. They had they had uh, two kids. We did sit down at dinner, but mm-hmm. my father and I never threw the ball threw a ball together or anything like that. We never went right. camping together. And I always thought, well, it's because my father is too old. He adopted me when he was thirty-seven, so he was a lot of years older than me. And I always related to. You know, the sadness I felt about not doing stuff with my dad was probably because I was, you know, I had a father who was older. But I was grateful that I got adopted 
because had I not get about, got adopted, that's abandonment. I was mm-hmm. abandoned by mm-hmm. my birth mother in New York City when she was 22 or 21, and I, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to put the story together now, but she couldn't have, you know, handle having a child, so she gave it up, and right away, Catholic Charities found a, a couple of parents, my, my parents, to take me, thank God. So I didn't have a whole a whole lot of time to experience, um, you know. I, I mean, I was I was very young. I was three months old, so I didn't I didn't have a, a time to experience the kind of loneliness that you just touched on, Carol, or the mm-hmm. or the heartbreak of of abandonment. Never, it went fast. So, but I could I could I could claim that if I wanted to, but I don't. I don't relate to my parents as being my abusers. They're not. I just grew up in a house that, you know, not everybody was uh, was um, on the same level. My mother was crazy, you know. My father was a workaholic. They both worked all the time. My mother, before she went back to work, went to school to get a degree. So she was in, she had a job that supported her education, her tuition, and then she eventually got her degree and she went to work for another 20 years as a librarian. That's what she went to school for, library science. And it was it was a, a very busy family, you know. Um, but right. I wasn't abused. I just, they had as, whatever time they had, they had. And the other time they didn't have was because they devoted themselves to, you know, kind of improving themselves and improving the family. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, my dad, yeah. my, dad, my, my dad did not have a mental illness. What, well, you um, the what yeah, yeah, please let me finish. Oh. Um, yeah, what what happened, what transpired with my dad was he was he was just working so hard. He was working seven days a week, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, trying to get this business going with his uh, brother. And in the end, he just wore himself out. Now, he didn't need... Um, electric shock treatment he needed a holiday he needed a break but it was it was his programming of you know dad's got to bring home the bacon it was his programming that drove him to take that drastic step and i visited him in in hospital and those places at that time which is oh god you know after a couple of years he was totally institutionalized because they'd They'd given him ECT and all these drugs. And, and the one phrase I remember from my dad, um, and I can't remember what he looks like now, but I remember being in this white room with him at uh, Fairmont Hospital. And his amazing comment was, I'd rather have a bottle of front, uh, rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. And that was, that was such a gift from him, you know, to know that he, still after all he'd been through he still had a sense of humor but anyway um you know i i know what i've experienced and i've just shared what i've experienced and it's my truth and um we're all different there's no there is no argument there is any difference so uh, let's celebrate our differences hey well the and, differences um, are fine but we're, but we're we're yeah, not here to tell go. our stories you know we're here to describe the issues that are found in child yeah. abuse and and to let our listeners you know maybe call in and ask us questions about that not about our stories 
So, you know, I'm just pointing that out for the future because we're going to do other shows like this, which are sort of special topic right. shows or general topic shows. Yeah. Okay, I've got to go now, folks. Have a good show. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. I mean, I didn't even know who my father was. I still don't. You know? I mean, that's abandonment. But I don't bring that. I don't talk about that as being abusive. It's, it's, it's a situation that I was in. And it was, yeah, I could I could suffer from it if I wanted to because it's easy for me to suffer. <laughs> I'm a good sufferer. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, my, my I I have ahead. some good memories of like with my father. Um, I, I mean, you guys know I was raised in foster care, so I didn't live with my parents much. Right. Uh, but when we the, the the few times we did do things, it was my father, never my mother. Mm-hmm. And she did not have to work. They were both alcoholics. He worked. She was just like she was there. There was like I don't I never bonded with her. Um, but one thing I want to say about like with children and abuse, it, I, I'm involved with missing people, and I would say 99% of uh, missing children that pop up. Um, the abuse is coming from somebody they know, and if they are found, sadly, if they're found deceased, it's by the hands of a parent, legal guardian, foster parent, or adoptive parent, and that's right. that is baffling. So how is my crooked doing? <laughs> I recognize you. I'm I doing know, good. I didn't even know you were going to be on tonight. I had no idea. I'm all excited. <laughs> so let, let's see what, um, what what the doctor thinks, okay? Nancy, what, what do you think about all of this? With the, um, Bill doesn't recognize that as abandonment issues, and um, no, I sort of had that choice. lonely, you know. I okay. say it's a choice, you know. Yeah, well, I, I don't think yeah. about that part of it either, to be yeah. honest with you, because yeah. I accepted that they worked like, in fact, I was proud. I'll be honest with you. I was proud. They gave me no attention at all, but I was proud of them because of their work ethics, okay? There you go. Yep. They, they would buy a dump, and they would turn that dump into a gold mine. They knew how to do it, and I, I was proud of it. So I didn't care whether they talked to me or not, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, there were times it would have been nice, like they went on vacation and they left me home to, to watch the dog. Thanks. <laughs> I wanted to go, too, to Martha's Vineyard, all right? So, um, but anyway, the point is uh, I, abandonment is an issue, but that's not exactly abandonment. Now, you mentioned um, your parents, your natural-born parents had um, abandoned you, and that's true. And I found out when I was 60 that my father wasn't my father. And he took off to California, all right? So, okay, and I never saw him again after one point. So that, that he abandoned me. But I never thought about him because he wasn't a very good person. Even though my stepfather didn't talk to me much, he was a far better person than the man that I thought was my father. 
So I really don't have any father. Don't you feel sorry for me? <laughs> I don't know who my father is. Well, I don't either. I mean, this is no, I don't either, common, by God. I, yeah. I, yeah, it is. I found, I found. That's right. I found out when I was sixty. How old were you when you found out? Were I you, started you looking for my mother. I, I found who my mother's name went, you know, a few years back. So I knew her, and then mm-hmm. I did the genealogy stuff, and I couldn't locate him. I located the family I came from, and they were at mm-hmm. first excited to hear from me, and then they didn't want me to talk to them. <laughs> so it was like I could call oh, all of that abandonment, but I don't. You know what it is? It's not abandonment. It's fear of abandonment. See, I right now have six people on the phone with me. I'm mm-hmm. not abandoned. I have six people here, but I could frame it so that I'm afraid of the abandonment that could occur, you know, if you guys disappear on me or you don't want to be supportive to me. That's easy. It's the fear of the abandonment, not the abandonment itself, that's inside me and is killing me all the time. In fact, almost everything is fear. You know that affects mm-hmm. me, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's you know it it can be related that way. But I, I don't want to get off track with uh, your topic tonight, Carol, by telling no. our own stories. We're not here to tell our stories. We're here to talk yeah, about. Well, you can I mean, can touch on our stories, but not going. Well, I, I think he was he was having a he was having a little problem. Obviously, I'll talk to him off the phone. Okay, about abandonment. Huh? I think I should. I'll talk to him later on. That's why he hung well, up. Well, he can do it that way. But he can't say it's, that's absolutely it. Nothing is absolute. That may mm-hmm. be his reality, and he, in fact, said that. But it doesn't have to be anybody else's reality. And they no, don't have to accept it. Right. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I agree with that. But he's, he mm-hmm. needs uh, someone to talk to. But anyway, what does the doctor think about all of this? What do you think? Do you want to run away? <laughs> <laughs> no. I understand completely, you know, what's going on. You know, we all have different stories and however those those uh, traumas affected us, a lot of times that's going to have an effect on how we perceive what uh, abuse may be, you know. You may uh, not be able to be around an older man. Yeah, let's say um, you see an older man touching a little girl's shoulder. You may think that that's a form of abuse or a sign of abuse if that's something you went through and that's something you experienced. So, you know, the way that we perceive abuse, a lot of times it has to do from our own traumas and what we've experienced, and that's all, that's what we know, and that's what it is. And so even though it's not, our, it may not be my reality, it's your reality, and I'm not going to discount it because that's how you believe because of, that's what you went through in your world. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. and so I just, I respect everybody's uh, view. Um, you know, I think that definitely culture has a, a lot to do with it. Um, the way we grew up, um, mm-hmm. the time that we grew up, like today, people are are um, doing uh, gentle parenting. And so, uh, and I shared the other night, I believe it was Monday, you know, I used to get spanked with brooms, <laughs> electrical cords, tree limbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, all types of stuff, throw shoes at me, throw forks at me, I mean, anything, okay? And so for me, um, the way that I see abuse is different than the way other people see abuse. But I'm used. I spank my children, and I still believe some of these kids need a good little spanking on their behinds, you know. And and somebody may be listening, like, oh my God, no, that is abuse, you know. But for me, um, you know, that's how I grew up. So for me, that's that's normal. And some of these kids 
they're hitting their parents, they're spitting at their parents, they're kicking their parents, and the parents are trying so hard to do completely opposite. And they go to an extreme where they're just not even really disciplining their children. And some of these kids um, that are abused grow up to be mass murderers and, you know, psychopath killers and sticking people in refrigerators. And then some of the kids that never got whoopings do the same thing. You know, when you look at some of these psychopath backgrounds, uh, some of them will say, I had a wonderful childhood. I was never whooped. I was never beaten. I was never abused. And so, unfortunately, um, there's extremes to this. But, um, yeah, I I definitely agree with uh, what you guys were sharing earlier, you know, neglect. Mm -hmm. That's something that we need to talk about. We need to be able to address some of the signs. Uh, and that's why I asked the question earlier. I'm like, you know, what if I notice a child with uh, his or her teeth rotting, you know? Um, I know that my first pair of teeth, my mom told me the front ones were got rotten because I used to love laying in the bed with some milk with sugar in it and chewing on the nipple. And so the doctor told her that that causes the kids teeth to rot. Don't just let them sit there chewing on the uh, on the nipple, the sugar, and the nipple messes up the teeth, and I don't know what. But, um, you know, so, and the reason, I, and that's why I asked that question, when should we really start to make these phone calls? Because neglect is, is, is I don't want to say it's so subtle, but it doesn't come in the same form of sexual child abuse or the no. physical beatings of abuse. These are our... I don't want to say, um, yeah, they're just done in a, in a milder way that people may not notice it. Well, people much. wouldn't notice it. So how that. do we notice we, it? Okay. You know, yeah, also, well, that's, you know, a lot of times parents, they may not know mm-hmm. how to parent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes, again, like, you know, if you get to know the person, kind of feel out the situation and then you can help you know if, if if it's something that she just doesn't have certain skills maybe you can help her with that or give them resources where they can go to get help and if it's mm-hmm. an abuse situation of course you you, know, you need to report it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's um, that's something too that we you know talk about on NASCAR. I've spoken about that many times, but I think um, what you're talking about, um, Nancy, is 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 true because a lot of times you can't you can't see certain types of abuse. Then it comes out in behavior, like you were saying. Yeah. They become mm-hmm. this, they become that. Okay. Um, I've worked with the murderers, the psychopaths, the sociopaths. And I, I had, of course, I knew their records, I knew their backgrounds and all that stuff. And um, a lot of them came from dysfunctional homes once in a great while. I don't know if it was Jeffrey Dahmer or who. I have to look that up again because I had it. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. But anyway, supposedly he came from a good background. They couldn't understand, you know, um, where that abuse started and, and what made him yeah. turn into be, you know, what he That was Dahmer. Yeah, it was. was yeah. yeah. So once in a while, you know, I always tell people, go look at the family. Go. Look. Well, that's true. Maybe for ninety, say five percent of the time. Okay, 
You'll see yeah, something terribly dysfunctional. Abandonment issues with him. His parents just weren't there for him. Mm-hmm. You well, know, there's your abandonment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, I mean, they didn't see the signs. But, but back then, none of us knew what the signs were. That's true, too. Now, today, right. you know, today, look, we have NASCAR, all right? We have different types of topics, and we have different type of topic nights. We have all different types of things. But And I think that's good because people get tired if it's just like one thing. It's good that, you know, if we banter back and forth and so forth and throw our ideas around and so forth because, uh, you know, this way we get all of our feelings out, how we feel about things, and we can learn from each other too. And people who are listening, they can, you know, they can listen too and learn things. But, you know, you have the obvious signs, and this is when it's really, really, really a bad thing for adults. It makes adults look really bad. Like with the angels, they always say, you know, see something, do something, you know, or say something. But we say that too. But they don't always do that, do they? Okay, people, society, and in, in our communities. I'm very much a community worker. That's what I believe in. If our communities, and we used to have a show called Community Matters, if our communities would become more engaged, okay, with what's happening around them, if they'd look and they'd see something. Now, you know, with with kids that are that are younger, they will have sleep disturbances. They'll have bedwetting, um, regressive behavior, self-destructive or risk-taking behavior, impulsivity. In other words, they do things just like they're spastic and stuff, and they're doing something that's not good. They don't. We, they don't we, consider that. They don't really think about it. So they're impulsive. No, they, they don't. do it anyway. They don't. Yeah. Um, and they have refusal to be left alone. Well, why is that? Why do they have? A, why are they so frightened to be alone? Um, they may fear an individual such as an alleged offender. All right, yeah. somebody who's bothering them. Yeah. And They'll have fear of people. I started working with kids because um, yeah, she knows. I knew she what I was going through wasn't right. And I've always loved children, always protected mm-hmm. them as much as I could. Because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to learn how how do you deal with children without foam up against the wall? <laughs> you know, well, and, and I worked well, 10 years before I had my son, so I learned so much. And that's how I was able to stop that cycle. Right, right. You see, kids have brains. Now, I spoke. I had a show the other, oh, well, maybe two or three weeks ago, because I do every Friday. Every Friday night I do. And if we don't have a, a guest, then I do a topic. It's as simple as that. And um, one of the topics that we had, now, speaking about spanking, they look at that as corporal punishment today, believe it or not. You see, they have the um, mindset, and I somewhat agree with this. If a kid is old enough to sit them down and talk to them, uh, and you say to them, look, this is why I'm angry at you. You did so-and-so, and I want to talk about it. And then the worst thing that you can do to a kid is not hit them, although that's bad enough. You send them into the other room, Make them write an essay as to why they did wrong and why they won't do it again because kids hate to write essays. They hate it, okay? And that actually works better because they've done studies and they found out through the studies that they've done 
that kids, if you sit them down, they do have brains, okay, and and they can understand and they can understand what you're saying, and that'll make them think, okay, I shouldn't have done this. I could have done something else. What could I have done instead of, okay? And then at the end of there, you give them maybe 25 minutes to write this little essay. It doesn't have to be fancy or anything. They're not in school, but it's making them think. So every time, every time I do something wrong, I'm going to have to sit down and I'm going to have to write a little essay as to why I did it and why I won't do it again, okay? This way... Being this way is much better because you don't, you know, don't you don't start hating your parents. It makes you start thinking because when when kids are hit and they're taught violence, that violence ends up out on the street. Okay, I know because I've been out on the street, but it ends up out on the street. So if you can bond with your child better, and have them sit down and write a simple essay, and then talk about what they wrote. They learn far better, and they don't hate their parent because that violence is not there. Violence breeds violence. We know this. So they're looking at even um, just spanking a child as corporal punishment. Well, heck, I used to get switched and hit in the head, man, all kinds of stuff. That's corporal punishment. Um, I never thought that you know, giving your kid a whack in the butt or something was corporal punishment or whatever. Um I don't know if I completely agree with that one, but that's the way it is. And it's going all throughout the states. And I think probably what's happening because of that and what's bringing that forth is because of all the violence that is on the streets. And some people are starting to realize that violence comes from home. And if it's at home, it's going to come out in the neighborhood. It's going to come out on the street. And that's why you have your bullies go into the homes of the bullies. What do you see? You see things that, you know, are not right. They're not good. And then the kids, they, and I lived across the street from uh, people like that, and they were getting beaten all the time. And then when they get on the street, they were beating all the neighborhood kids up, including mine. I didn't like that. <laughs> all right. So, you know, this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Um, there are different ways of handling bad behavior without violence being a part of it because then you're teaching your children violence. Well, you're right. Um, You're right. And we're learning more as we're becoming educated because back in the days we did not have access to resources um, like we do today. And so we're able to look at the statistics and the long-term effects of, um, excuse me, some of these punishments that were used, uh, and to us, again, culturally, different cultures, some of this mm-hmm. abusive behavior is normal. Um, and so even when uh, Mr. Bob was sharing his experience, and that's from his personal experience that he was speaking, you know, from what he has seen and, and learned from. And, from. and a lot of times from your personal experience, when you do research in that area, you kind of like still create that world, but there's a there's more than just that world. There's other worlds, and it's just good to kind of just learn a little bit more about all of them so that we can become a stronger nation. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's why shows like NASA are very important, and the fact that we're creating a safe space 
for everyone to talk and to share without judgment, but mm-hmm. really understanding that we all come from different backgrounds and we have different views. And, um, you know, your truth is your truth, but we're, you know, we definitely don't want to um, push it on others. It's just, you know, right. my personal right. experience. Well, that was really, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Nancy, that was really the point mm-hmm. I was trying to make. I won't talk long, but. You know, it's fine to have your own truth, but you can't push, you can't say, and so this would be your truth, too. It's not. It depends on the person. So thank you, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, I That's think that violence Do you have another? Wrong, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you think well, violence is wrong. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, I absolutely, listen, I grew up with violence, okay, from day one. And then I married into violence. Stupid me. <laughs> hey, you, you tend to go to what you know, okay? This yeah. is what happens. Mm-hmm. And so I made two blunders. Uh, the first one was the worst, and the second one wasn't much better. So I, I don't even want to get... I, I am so anti-relationship at this point, okay? <laughs> because I don't want to make the same mistake. I would never have a guy live with me. Uh, I would never get married again. <laughs> First of all, I'm very independent, and I like my own ways, and I don't want to answer anybody except for me and God. That's all, okay? And I've learned these things about myself that I can stand alone. But what, what does it do to children when they're beaten, when they see violence all the time, and, and they are sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally abused? I know I neglected, and that's all runs together. It it works on their self-esteem. It works on them psychiatrically. It works on them emotionally. Uh, you know, and I've seen all that. You've seen all that. And and quite frankly, um, these kids need help. I had to get help too. But I still have a bad temper today. I will see that though. I don't punch people as much in the nose like I used to. Okay, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. But one time, if someone you know went against my ways of of thought, I would just go bang, and it would make me feel better. All right, I don't do that anymore. I had to learn to behave myself. We have to look at ourselves. You come mm-hmm. from a dysfunctional home where there's all that violence in that home. You're not going to turn into a, a a kid who is normal. You're just not. Yeah. And you can't, that's, you can't, that's you can't expect that it. I was yeah. able to be a, a teacher and, and learn all those things about kids because honestly, how can you teach a child that hitting is wrong by hitting them? That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. That's my point. That's mm-hmm. my point. If you hit a kid, um, they learn violence. They know that that doesn't feel good. It hurts. Um, and quite frankly, if you hit them hard enough, I used to switch. You get hit hard enough. I had bruises all over my legs and, and, and switch marks, but no one said anything. You said, you said, I know people saw it, but they didn't say anything. And that kid is humiliated because they have those marks on their legs, okay? And mm-hmm. it teaches them anger and hatred towards their, their caregiver or their parent. It just simply does. Yeah. And then they, too, become a volatile person. Go ahead. When I was a teacher, it's called One, Two, Three Magic, and I live by it. It's not like saying on the count of three, you know, 
There's no yelling involved. The child knows what the consequence is going to be. They get mm-hmm. praised a lot. It gets them to change those bad behaviors that you want them to stop. Like if they have a problem putting their hands on other children and and you get them to where they're not doing that, then you praise them. Oh, I love the way you're keeping your hands to yourself. Oh, I love the way you're using your words. That's right. That, that cricket, that it, is so right. They're thinking turned around also in in a better way. You see, kids who have been sexually abused, they say that a lot of times it's one of the hardest things to pick up, okay? But it comes out in their behavior. If a young child comes out with words that are not appropriate, that, that big people would say, well, then you think to yourself, what the heck's going on with this kid? What type of behavior is going on in the household that they come out with words like that? I've seen children rub up against things, you know, furniture, on you know, on their vagina or on their, their penis because they had been, you know, stroked at home and all this other stuff because they're in with a bunch of perverts, all right? And um, so then they, that be, affects their behavior, even in public, even in, in daycare centers they've seen this. Kids are, you know, acting out inappropriately. Well, then you have to start looking at the home, what's going on in the home, because we know uh, that most of the abuse starts at home. It can, absolutely, okay? Yes, you can be sexually abused outside of the home, but a lot of times it's in the home, and that's where incest comes in all of which too many of us on NASCA know about, okay? So when you have a child who's been abused physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, and neglected, that kid has an awful lot of of learning to do about what's right, what's not right, and, and also, too, that it wasn't their fault because many kids carry around that shame. Hey, maybe if I'd been a better kid, this wouldn't have happened to me, all right? Uh, maybe they would have liked me better. And then others, they get confused. They think that, um, you know, because they'll groom them, they'll say, well, you know, daddy does this to you because he loves you. And then he's stroking the the child. Usually it's a little female with daddy, right, usually. And, um, you know, and the child feels good because it's the way God made our bodies, Cricket. You know, uh, when you're stimulated, you're stimulated, okay? It doesn't matter how old you are, okay? So then then the kids get mixed up, and then later on they have trouble with relationships too. They get the two mixed up between love and sex, and, and sex is not always love, and love is not always sex. They have to go together. It has to be the right situation, the right person. And there's so much that we have to come out of when we've gone through all of those abuses, so much that we have to learn about ourselves, our own behavior, because we're not perfect people. I wasn't perfect. And I had to look at me, and that wasn't easy. It was hard. And so you have to look at yourself and then realize that the people around you belonged probably in jail, all right? And um, and certainly it was not your fault. It was not your fault, ever. I had a CPS worker tell me, Carol, this is in New York when I lived in Staten Island. Carol, this was not your fault. None of it was your fault. 
And she was like an angel to me. You know how I love angels. I have them all over my house. She was like an angel to me because she took that burden of guilt that I was carrying because my mother and my so-called father made me feel like that it was partly my fault. And, and that just isn't right. It's not fair. So you see, kids who come from dysfunctional homes like that, um, and all there's so many of us that do, like Bill mentioned that earlier, there's a lot of us who feel abandoned. There's a lot of us who feel this. There's a lot of us who feel that. And um, no, we can't let it define us. I mean, we can, but if you do, then you don't move forward. You can't move forward because you're stuck. So these AM calls that I tell you about that I get, a lot of times those people are stuck, and sometimes I have to talk rough to them. You want to move forward, or do you want to sit in, in, in your own uh, sorrow? You have to move forward. And the ones that don't move so, you know, forward, a lot of times they commit suicide. I tried when I was 17, and many times there's people. We have one NASCA member. I'm certainly not going to say who that person is who tried many, many times to commit suicide. I'll just leave it at that, many times. So this is how it affects us, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. I put those two together because I've worked with both, psychologically. And then the neglect, that can just put the icing on the cake. So these shows that we have are very, very important when people listen to them because it makes them think. And that's what we're trying to get people to do. We've raised enough awareness. We speak about it. There's other programs out there that, um, you know, that, that talk about stuff that we talk about. This isn't anything new. But people out there have to care. They have to want to be involved. So some of the thoughts are, we are innocent and guilt-free, yet share feelings of shame and fear. This will be the last thing I read. We should accept no responsibility for our abuse in childhood. Our low self-esteem and feelings of worthlessness are lies. Our lives changed forever in the moment we were first violated. I was six. We were diverted from our destiny. Our scars can become a permanent part of who we are defining us. Well, we've added on to that, if you let it, because there is help today. We suffer a kind of insanity, which can involve deep depression and anger. I was clinically depressed for years. The resentments we carry are controlling us. We are not alone. We are as sick as our secrets. Recovery is possible if we work for it. And then last, we can have a complete change in our character. But that's through good hard work. So it's up to people, too, to want to change. It's not our fault. And I certainly don't want to be like wallpaper anymore. I have a big mouth. We all know this. (laughs) I like having a big mouth. Because at one time I wasn't allowed to speak. Well, now you're more like a foghorn. Oh, there you go, oh. my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, you know, the the point is people out there in our neighborhoods, they should be more educated, I think. 
I go out and I, I hand out NASCAR. The things that I just read from came from NASCAR. At the very last minute, I saw I had to help, you know, run the show, come up with topics, so I just grabbed things from our website, naasca.org, nasca.org. And I'm looking under right now protecting our kids. You have the red blocks, and uh, it gives you all kinds of information. Under that is prevention intervention, which is what I'm reading, federal resources, nonprofits, the missing, hmm? offenders. I, I had a really good article on that. Media outreach about our our founders. That's Bill. He's on there. I'm on there. Our bios are on there. And, um, you know, people need to want to care. We've got to get them to care. Now we've got the awareness out there. But somehow we have to bring forth the uh, reality of why we have to care. And this is not a good time in our country, okay? So I think that child abuse has taken the back burner. And that's a shame. Wow. It's true. It is a shame. Um, does anybody have a comment that they'd like to make on this topic? Have we left Annie out? Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? Crickets, crickets, yes, fine. I'm Don't call here. her Annie. <laughs> her name is Cricket, um, by God. Go ahead. Oh, Annie. No, I, want, I just wanted to say... Um, I'm going to send a link uh, to you, Carol, so, uh, about the one, two, three magic. Mm-hmm. And if any if anyone is interested in learning more about it, they mm-hmm. don't have to buy it. I can explain it to them. But it truly is magic because you're not trying to debate with a child. Right. So there's no arguing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, my son, even at 13, 14, he'd stamp away and grunt, but he knew it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's done. You know? Well, you know, listen, yeah. I do a tremendous amount of research, and anything you can give me, I really appreciate, okay, because I like to learn. I went to school, but I need to learn, too. We all need to learn. Yeah, and you can start so, them off at, like, two years old. They catch on within two weeks and so much less stress in the house or classroom mm-hmm. or wherever, you know. It, it it does work like magic. Well, whatever you want to send me, I'm always it, looking forward to looking at. Is it a system... Is it a system of discipline of some sort? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see that. Yeah, it's like say the the child throws a ball in the house, you'll you'll get yeah. down you always get down on their level. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And say we don't throw the ball in the house, okay, honey? And then you just get up and carry on. Now the child's right. gonna forget. Again, you get down on their level and say, we don't throw the ball in the house. That's one. If I get to three, I'm taking the ball. Right. So now they know the consequence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in the beginning, 
you know, it will happen. They will get that third count, and I just take the ball. They can't argue with me. They knew that that, that was going to happen. Right. Um, they get rewarded with stickers. The way I do it, I reward them with stickers if they don't get a three. And after they get so many stickers, they can get a prize. So they're learning to earn things for themselves. They're taking right. pride like in themselves. I like it's that. Just, yeah, it's like I said, it's magic. <laughs> well, see that that's good because you see what I always try to do is get the parents away from the violent act. Okay. Because, again, there's so much violence out on the streets today, and, and yeah. it's just disgusting, okay? And um, it's starting to happen around here, too. I had the cops all over the place here a couple nights ago. Holy Christopher, me in the woods with the bears and the coyotes and oh. the bobcat now, too. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, the point is, whatever we can learn about behavior and, and also, too, about how to um, correct behavior that's not good without violence is right up my alley. Yeah, and and this this cuts all that arguing out. You know, if mm-hmm. you tell you, if your child wants a snack and you say, no, we're, we're going to have dinner in 15 minutes, and the child wants to keep nagging, and then you're you're you you both get elevated. You win the child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This cuts all that out. Yeah, see, that's what we that's what society needs to do. Okay, but right now we're living in such a, a rough world, a rough country. You know, um, there's a lot of problems out there. But we, you know, as educators, we 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 can we know we have the education. We can help other people. And once maybe things calm down, if they ever do, we can get back to doing community work more the way that I'd like to do it and you do it, you know, and all this other stuff. Because so many people came from backgrounds like ours, okay, and um, then they take it out. How many times, I know I've heard it so many times, um, a guy would say, oh, I got smacked in the head. Oh, yeah, it didn't hurt me any, you know. I turned out okay. But he's a guy at the end of the bar. And he's so drunk, and then he goes home and smacks his family around. <laughs> yeah, he turned out okay. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you know, it, it's attitudes like that that need to be squelched, that need to be turned around. It's not okay if you got a belt to you when you were a kid. That's what they did in the old days, right? The, the father would take the belt off and he'd smack the kid in the butt, right? And uh, hopefully that's the only place, not the back, the face, whatever. I know the kid who lost his eye because of the mm-hmm. belt. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's an awful thing. Violence breeds violence. And, yes, a lot of those kids that I knew turned violent. And I felt right at home. Okay? Hmm. Violence breeds more violence. I mean, that takes us back to that part again. You know, we don't realize that something that we went through years ago, that abuse that we experienced, we repeated somehow, some way, um, mm-hmm. sometimes on our own children. That's you know, right. sometimes on our own children. It's important to work on ourselves and 
trying to get therapy. A lot of times we feel that we don't need therapy. We feel like, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, I've gotten along this long, but there's nothing wrong with therapy. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't mean that you're broken because you're getting therapy. It means that you're just working to be a better person. You're working on you. You want to be a better version of yourself, and there's That's nothing right. wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you said a mouthful right there, like you said before with me, because so many people look at that, at that as a stigma, and that's wrong, okay? If people mm-hmm. need help, if they need help, and they know a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people know they need help, and they feel bashful, mm-hmm. you know, about going and getting that help. And... um I've spoken to people again, you know, in the AM, and I tell them, look, I want you to go get help. I want you to go to see a shrink. I don't want to see a shrink. Oh, no. Well, then, you know, you're not going to get better. Some people do need a psychiatrist. And yeah. there is and a difference between a counselor. Treated. I know when I was first diagnosed and put on medication, mm-hmm. um, like one of my coworkers asked, me if I if I was doing better and I said yeah and she said are you are you still on medication and I said mm-hmm. yeah well then you're not better a lot of them saw me as weak because I needed to go to therapy but I I'm, I I see that as a strength because it's hard it's hard to it go to therapy hard. it is hard but uh, you know with the with the psychiatrist look when I, when I worked at Greystone, um, I showed the cops all that stuff last night, the other night. But anyway, when I worked there, they had them on the Thorazine shuffle, okay? In other words, all they wanted to do was dose them out. Some of them were foaming at the mouth, I'm telling you. They yeah. actually foamed at the mouth. Yes, mm-hmm. they were volatile people, and, and they were insane, and that's why we're there. they were there. But there was no therapy, okay? There was no therapy from those psychiatrists. And that's not good either, all right? But even so some it, of these places, like when I when I had to be on, I call it lockdown, um, mm-hmm. for a, a mental health. It was, it was always, I always went with a dual diagnosis because it just helps better. Um, they drug you up, even if you have to go to meetings or whatever. You're mm-hmm. so soaked up. I could not that how is that helping me mm-hmm. they do that to keep everybody calm they yeah, have their ways that, that's for security in the uh, institution <laughs> you know, yeah like, well, you, you, you guys can't say nothing about me you know falling asleep during group at least I made it to group you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. right well we, we had cops all over the place there so that's yeah, how it got to the was. point where I started tonguing them and flushing them mm-hmm. because I didn't need them. Well, what you were in was not like you know the, the hospital that I worked in, and those people they just they just drugged them so badly. I think a lot of the nurses were scared of them. I'm I'm serious, okay. <laughs> So we'd have to put them in vans. We had a lot of vans and take them down because we had a tiny hospital on the grounds and for broken arms, broken noses, <laughs> whatever, okay. Um, if they needed more, they would go to Morristown Memorial. Uh, but the point is they would keep them 
um, really drugged up so they wouldn't act out. But you can't help people if you don't give them therapy, all right? If all you're doing is drugging them. And there's nothing wrong with people taking medicine. People have to understand this. I have people in my mm-hmm. family, you know, who are taking meds. And that's okay. There's no, if it's going to keep them feeling better, if it's, and they have to go and get their levels checked, just like everybody else. When you take meds, you should get your levels checked um, at least three or four times a year, I'd say. Um, make sure that, you know, and you would know when a med isn't working for you, right, because you're not feeling right, okay? And there's time for a yes. med change. But so, even, um, even in rehab, they did that to me. I mean, that was many years ago, but I'm hoping they still don't do that because if somebody's in rehab, they want to get clean. Stop juggling. That's right. That's right. Well, in detox, because, see, I used to move around a lot to make more money. I had two kids, right? And um, so I would work different places. But in detox, they meant detox. They didn't give you medicine. Now, they do this today. Uh, I can't tell you how many grand mal seizures I've seen, Cricket. I can't tell you. I've lost track. The hospital was right across the street. It was a part of the hospital just across the street. Now, I don't know if that's kind or, or if that's just brutal reality to give them nothing, but uh, they meant detox. So, <laughs> so uh, people would go into all kinds of spasms and stuff, and you're afraid they're going to chew their tongue in half, and some did. And um, They took away the tongue depressors. They don't use that anymore. I think that's stupid. But um, to give people medicine that's needed, so that they can feel better, so they can be uh, citizens, so they can be, you know, they can do things with their life. Um, I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it, and there's no shame. There shouldn't be shame there. So, you know, we have people on at times who say, well, that's just uh, masking it or putting a Band-Aid on the real issue. There's some truth to that. But if you take both, if you take a little bit of a med and you, and you have your issues, you know, looked at, then you can heal. You can heal. You absolutely can. So what I just read with the uh, define, uh-uh, I put after that a dish because I'm not going to let it define me, who I am, and I don't think anyone should because we can get help and we can change and we can be happy and we can be productive. You know, it's a lot easier and less scary to allow ourselves to take medications at a certain level at least so that we don't have to talk you know because talking is terrifying and you know it it has all kinds of um you know feelings associated with it that we don't want to we don't want we just don't want to feel so if we don't want to feel that we're willing to take the meds you know it's it's a way it's actually something we use to step away from needing to tell our stories you know but um those of us that are going to recover are going to tell our stories, whether it's to the psychiatrist or to the, the room full of people or to the mm-hmm. therapist, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to tell their stories because you have to get it out. You have to. And uh, expressing it, it, it is you know, a big step forward and towards, you know, your health, your mental health, you know, your spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And keeping it quiet, it, you know, you will never, you'll never heal. You know, it'll just fester inside of you. So. Yeah, those are the phone calls I don't like getting. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, get I am. 
Yeah, I know. But, you know, some, they have to reach out to somebody. So I know. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. That's, I'm up anyway. I don't go to sleep at night. A lot of my abuse happened at nighttime in the a.m. I think that's another reason why I don't sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I used to watch the sun starting to come up. That's when a lot of it happened, around that oh. time. So I just don't go to sleep, screw it. <laughs> I don't want to drug myself out to go to sleep. So graveyard shift was always kind for me. You know, it was always good for me to work because um, I was up anyway. You know, I, I used to see people doing the Thorazine shuffle, as you said, you know, in public. Um, when I lived in Brooklyn, they would, they would. There was this one guy in particular that I remember. He walked the promenade every day, back and forth, back and forth, with doing the shuffle, you know. Mm-hmm. And he didn't bother anybody. He was right in the middle of the promenade, all the way down. Turned around, came all the way back. It's about a half a mile total, maybe. Maybe it's a quarter mile. But you know, and he was, you know, he, they kind of lean forward, and they they can't stop you. Know, they got to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see that anymore. I don't. I don't know if they. Well, maybe they've changed. You know what they give people. The meds are very different now. But yes, they are. Yeah. They are, Bill. But um, still, in all, if you give them too much, I caught guys. Uh, we had this tree. You know, fake tree in the corner by the uh, nursing department, and they'd stand in line to get their, their meds. And uh, right. I realized that they were spitting out a Melorel. They had Thorazine, Melorel, Navane, all different kinds, you know, for hallucinations and everything. I learned all that. So they would, they, they, the nurse would hand them a little cup that had their, their yeah. pills in it, and right. they would make like they're putting it to their mouth. Oh, no, honey. It went behind um, the tree. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So... Then we started realizing there was a difference in the way they were behaving, too, because some of those people needed that, all right, but the others didn't, but they'd all started spitting it out. So, you know, oh, my God. I had a, I had a grandmother who was living with a bunch of nuns in a convent at the end of her life because she, she really needed assistance, and she was an Alzheimer's patient, too. Well, when right. she passed, they they found all the pills that they gave her behind the behind, behind the uh radiator in her room. <laughs> oh, back here. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Found a place, and that was that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Funny. Well, it's sad. And, and you know what? You're talking about age there, and they find out with elderly people um, that they don't need the same level of medication. Like if someone's supposed to take 100 yeah. milligrams or something, they don't really need the 100 milligrams once they get to be 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. I'm going to be able to be 100. And uh, I just know I will. People in my family have. Oh, my God, on my mother's side. And she was my mother. But the point is they, that person maybe only needs 75 milligrams or, or 70 milligrams instead of 100 milligrams. That's my point. And so it knocks the heck out of them. And um, they don't. what type of life do they have? That's right. Where's the quality, the quality of, of life? life really disappears. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, look, we're going to come to the end of the show here, Carol. I don't want to you to be not aware of it. I want to make you aware of it. We have uh, three mm-hmm. minutes left or so, and I, I want to, you know, let the hosts here have time mm-hmm. to say goodnight and so forth or, or maybe a comment to wrap up. Right. 
You know, you guys were doing a great job. I was enjoying it. I thought it was very informational, very resourceful. We we do this all the time. Okay. Carol and I do this all the time. And we're happy to do it. And it's a good show. Yeah. And it makes a good show. It teaches people things, though. Okay. It makes them think. I like that. That's right. Okay. Well, so I'll I'll, I'll do a little wrap up here. We're we had a discussion show tonight because um, we're gonna, we're going to actually repeat this, you know, sometimes. Uh, but when we have somebody that's not booked, or we have a date, I mean, that's not booked, not yet booked, we're going to do these discussion shows, and we will bring up a topic um, that we can do the show on. But at the same time, if people start calling in, we will not mind them bringing up their own topic. And here's something I'd like to hear the group discuss, for example, like that. Um, but these shows are informative. They definitely are educational, and they do serve a purpose. So um, I appreciate Carol bringing the topic tonight, and I appreciate everybody participating tonight too. But let me give it back to um, Nancy so she can end the show however she wants. All right. Thank you, Bill. And thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Ms. Carol. Always a pleasure mm-hmm. to hear your input. It's wonderful. I want to just open up the mics. If anybody would like to say anything, we're about to close off now. Thing in regards to tonight's topic. Um, I, I just want to make, like, with the medications, I I try to educate people whenever you're put on medication, always research the side effects because a lot of those medications, the damage that they do can be permanent. Um, it's not life-threatening. So I just wanted to put that out there. Okay. Thank you. And, yeah, everybody, if, you, if you're thinking about taking medication, just speak to your doctor and do your research. Uh, that's always very important. Um, Annie, would you like to say anything to close out? Well, <clears throat> oh, I, I wrote down so many things to comment on, but I'll just say that I've been taking medication for, hmm, I don't even know, 20 years maybe or so, and I don't think I'd be here if I wasn't taking it. I I think it totally saved my life and and gave me a life. So I'll I'll end with that. Thanks. Mm. Thank Thank you. You. So there's no shame. Sorry. No, that was good. And there's no shame if you choose to go that route. It's always a personal choice. As long as you do the research and you feel comfortable and you have a good support system, a good doctor to help you with the process. Okay, I'll just do your research. All right, well, tonight was great. Thank you all for joining us. Um, You know, just remember, if you see something, say something. Always reach out for help. We're here. We're always here. You can go on the website, nasa.org, and we have a lot of resources, and a lot of us volunteers are there available to help answer questions and to be of support. Thank you for joining us tonight. Until next time, you guys have a good night. Good night now. Good night now. Night. I'll talk to you soon. Night. Good night. Good night.
Alright, Annie. Can I, I hit the music? <laughs> I don't know. I think she forgot the music. What happened I'm not to in the music? studio. Annie. Well, we can I'll all just it. say goodnight. Oh, okay, there the we music. go. There we go. Yeah. That's my son's song. We gotta have it. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. There we go. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, Joe.